Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. You're not selling a service, you're selling an experience is a topic of conversation in this episode. I'm speaking with Andrew Hayes, an entrepreneur and attorney. We discuss how to create successful client experiences, how to avoid the pitfalls of bad customer experiences, how to foster valuable business relationships, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here today, Andrew. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having me. And in our last conversation, you said something that really stuck with me as far as in the world of entrepreneurship. You're not selling a service. You're selling an experience. What's the story behind that? Um, I mean, I, I kind of came to that realization after practicing law for several years. Uh, you're, you're so focused on providing the quality legal service in my instance, or whatever service you're providing. Uh, however, I'm to the point now where I'm realizing that that's, that's really not enough. Certainly, you have to provide the best legal representation available. However, there's tons of attorneys that provide very good legal representation. What sticks with people is that experience that they have with you. Uh, and I'm focusing now on <clears throat> attempting to get my business set up to where we can in, ensure that as much as possible that each of our clients has a similar experience from beginning to end, a similar process given uh, what for each type of different case that we do. What is, when you mentioned a different process or the same process, what does that mean to you as far as how do you define a process? Well, in the past, we have we have a small law firm. We focus on estate and trust administration and litigation. So in the past, a case would come in, one person would handle it, or maybe another person would handle it. And then, for example, a probate estate, that some, when someone passes away, a certain there's a list of things that have to happen in a certain order. Uh, and each attorney has their own way of going about accomplishing that. So when, what I say by systems is I'm trying to standardize the way that we approach, let's say for that type of case, so that no matter which attorney or which paralegal is working on that file, the customer is going to have the same experience as far as communication with our firm. So I'm trying to make sure that we communicate effectively and regularly with our clients uh, rather than just kind of put out fires or see where the facts take us in any given representation. I want to have control over the relationship and have some kind of structure in place to ensure that a client we have this year is going to have a very similar experience to one we have a few years from now. So with a broad stroke, if I'm following, as far as entrepreneurs as a whole, whether it be a lawyer or a B2B service company, something like that, mm -hmm. you want to have kind of like the McDonald's experience. You know, when you walk, you know what you're going to get, you know what the quality is, but like it, like it or leave it you know what you're going to get. And entrepreneurs should be doing that with their services, hopefully to a very high level. So every interaction, they know what they expect and hopefully they're going to expect really good service. Would that be correct? Absolutely. And I mean, I think that even once you get to that level where you, you know from beginning to end how a service will be delivered, if you're getting feedback from your clients, 
which is something we're starting to do a lot more of, be proactive about obtaining feedback. You can easily affect those changes that these clients are telling you is necessary just by tweaking that system, because you know if you've ingrained the system in your culture, the culture of your business, that everybody's bought in and everybody's using it. So it just, it's much easier to address problems if you're standardizing the way you approach a certain um, type of service you're providing. It's kind of hard to be speaking the broad stroke because I'm thinking about very specific type of things in my practice, you know, but um, I think that, that what I'm trying to do should resonate with every, every service provider. Well, it also sounds like what you're talking about, and I know we had spoke a little bit about it, is the relationship and the memory of the relationship and how you handle the relationship is what sticks with people, not necessarily the sale of the product or service. Could you speak more to that? How do you create sure. good relationships? Um, well, what I, was, what I was talking about when we spoke last, um, for example, in a settlement of a dispute, we do a lot of contested estates and trusts. So where somebody's contesting a will or a family member's contesting uh, the way that a trustee or some other family member is handling the family's assets. Um, in a settlement, the definition of a good settlement is where each side is, is unhappy. I mean, that means that each side gave something up and each side um, feels like, you know, they gave too much up. That means it's a good settlement. So well, what does that mean in that broad stroke of entrepreneurship? Right. So, I mean, so if you're starting from a baseline of, well, my client at the end of this, even if it's a good result, might not be that happy. You have to focus on that relationship because then how is it possible that we ever have any happy clients? I mean, the reason why is because of the focus on service and that relationship that they had with us, you know, in the end, 10 years from now, I don't know that some of our clients remember the exact terms of everything that we, you know, obtained for them or that we did for them specifically with respect to the money that we were handling, but they certainly remember the experience they had with us, whether it's good or bad. And what are some ways that you can create a good experience? Um, I think in my business, the, the main complaint against um, attorneys, and I'm sure it's similar for accountants and other folks, um, is calling people back as soon mm -hmm. as possible. If even just to tell them, I'm busy now, I'm going to call you back. You know, Let's set up a time for us to talk where I can focus on you 100% and communicating with them throughout the process so that they understand what we're doing for them. And um, that's very important. Well, we, we bill by our, the hour in most of our cases, not all of them, but most of them. So they're getting a, a bill each month that shows everything that we've done on their case. But if that's the only contact we have with the client is that PDF that we email them at the end of the month that comes mm -hmm. out from my paralegal, then we've really failed in that, in that specific relationship. At least for that month, we failed. So um, we need to be in contact as much as possible with the clients so that they understand what we're doing for them. 
and tell me if I'm on track here. It sounds like you're talking about building a real relationship that has a, more meaning to it than just a transactional relationship. Here's a bill, give me money. Here's a bill, give me money. Right. Versus checking in with them. Do they need anything? Is there something that happening? I mean, would that be correct? That's definitely correct because I mean, especially with the kind of work that we do, uh, it's not as if they just say, I want you to accomplish this task, you know, it, the nature of these, um, of our representation, we're helping folks to solve all kinds of problems related to the, the assets of a loved one who has passed. So if we don't have that communication with them, we're not going to know what road to walk down to look for additional information or look for additional problems. If that, if that makes sense, uh, it can't just be transactional because there's really no one transaction we're doing. I mean, we are, I guess in a sense, you know, of course it's one transaction, but it's, we don't know what to do without the input of the client. So we need to, we need their input and we need to establish that uh, back and forth communication or else we're not going to be providing value to them. How, how often do you reach, how often do you reach out during a project usually? Do you have, is it just depends on each circumstance or is there, you know, at least once a week you're reaching out? What does that look like for the relationship side of things? It depends on the type of matter, but just generally speaking, um, we, some matters when it's, it's a heated up type of moment in the representation, we're talking, you know, a couple of times a week, but and other times we won't be, you know, and that's part of what I'm trying to get at when I'm talking about these processes is we need to make sure that we are talking to these folks every month at a minimum. And honestly, we haven't been doing that as I look backwards, but now we're starting to do that. And even if it's just to check in and see what's going on, if there's anything we need to, it might be a five minute phone call or less. So, but we need to have that um, every, every month. And that's, that's what we're working towards. And we do have that on a lot of cases, but we want to have that on every single case. And you just said that you didn't always do that. How did you learn that? Was it a complaint from a client? Did you just have an aha moment of, wait, I should be talking to them at least once a month. What's the story behind that lesson that you learned? I think it was more on the aha moment, um, side than a specific complaint, but, I do know that the complaints are, are down when we are talking every month, you know, because they're, you can, the aha moment is kind of comes through with building that relationship where the more comfortable someone feels with you, the more they're going to tell you. And in this type of work, we need to know everything that's going on so that we can help solve whatever problems may arise. You know, there's no benefit to a client with this is, true of any attorney. There's no benefit to a client withholding information from their attorney. So, I mean, some people don't get that. that. It's human nature. Sometimes you're not going to want to share sensitive things, but we need to establish that, that level, of, level of comfort with the client in order for them to give us the information that, that we need to know to give them the service that they hired us to do. So it sounds like you almost have to interview them as opposed to them interviewing you to get the case or to get the... Right. Well, yeah, once we get the case, then um, once we get the case, that's when we start to interview them, right? The tables turn for sure. So we need to, we need to know 
as much as we can about them and their and their situation. So if, if I'm right, that sounds like the step one of a relationship as far as after the initial contact, you know, okay, the project has landed, we're going to be doing this. Step two is interview them and get every piece of information possible about the project that you can. So you have a complete understanding because I would imagine that sometimes they don't know what they don't know. They might need right. to have an aha moment because of you. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. Because if someone hires you, they just hire you for help. I mean, you say, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, they don't know, you know, they just need help, you know? So it's up to us to figure out what's going on and then apply uh, the facts of any situation, you know, to the law and then we can, we can go for the result. But yeah, people call us and they don't, they don't even know what they want. So after a project, initial the initial project at least it's it's done you've accomplished what you want to accomplish what do you do to maintain that relationship is there a certain like emails every six months what do you do to stay in front of them so if they need another project and i know especially in a service-based industry with entrepreneurs referrals can mean everything but you have to stay in touch what do you do after it's done the first part honestly mark unfortunately i don't really do anything as far as after someone after after a, a case resolves. I mean, at the end of the case, we kind of connect and talk about if they have any other needs, any other estate planning needs or anything else that we can do for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I've, I've yet to jump on board with the, um, you know, quarterly emails to the clients, the newsletters and things. I've, I know I need to be doing something like that, but currently I'm not, I'm not um, going that route. So is it mostly people pe- people find you for projects or do you do a lot Absolutely, of networking yeah. to start relationships? Yes, all of the above. I mean, we, <laughs> we get a lot of um, action off of our website. You know, we post blogs and, you know, content that people find helpful when they're kind of looking just to learn something about what their rights are in any given situation. Um, certainly networking. And my network, just like anyone's, is, is pretty strong. I mean, I've been doing this for quite some time, about 15 years. So it's, um, yeah, and it, that just kind of snowballs, as we all know, you know. Well, network, yeah. I mean, that's lifeblood for entrepreneurs as far as networking goes. Do you pick specific events or what? how do you go about networking? What would it like, one of your golden rules of networking, what would that be for a relationship side of things? I mean, I... I'm involved in a couple of groups. I'm involved in provisors and some other groups. But um, the, the thing that I've found useful is those groups where you would meet, not the huge, massive meet and greet things, um, but <clears throat> where you can kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, take it deep with folks or get, get like more than just kind of a surface level, passing out the business cards kind of thing. Because there's a million attorneys, you know, there's a million financial advisors, there's a million insurance guys, whatever. Um, But it's those groups where you really do get to know these folks and you can honestly um, know that they are competent professionals that you can um, send someone to and then vice versa to them. But I try to keep it to where, um, I mean, I do spend a lot of time with the marketing groups and things, but it's, it's always with kind of a smaller number of groups where I can get to know folks better. 
So it sounds like that could be a big relationship part because I know some people think they're going to go to an event, pass out a few cards, and magically someone's going to sign up for their service. Instead of no, they need to get to know you first. So it sounds like good advice if I heard you right, that the smaller groups are the more valuable groups because you can get to know, like, and trust somebody and not be completely transactional. That's absolutely true for me. I mean, that's what I've, um, that's what I've found the most value in. And it goes both ways because, I mean, I, my firm focuses, as I said, only on uh, estate and trust work, litigation, administration, some estate planning. I mean, that's pretty much a niche, right, in the legal field. But as any professional knows, you know, people come to you with problems all over the place, you know, employment law problems, divorce situations. Um, and I don't have a big firm where I can just send them down the hall to someone. So uh, those small networks provide a lot of value to me because I'm able to then refer these clients, um, either existing clients or just potential clients, Two, I can connect them with, with individuals that I know can do a good job. So you don't I wouldn't to... know that from passing out business cards or just collecting business cards. So part of it is knowing their needs and knowing when you can help them and when you can't. And if you can't, if I heard you right, it's good to refer them to somebody else, not just leave them hanging. It's, there's a difference between, no, I can't help you close the door. No, I can't help you. But right. here's someone who might be able to. And you never want to you know, close the door. I mean, obviously... That's no good for the person on the other end of, you know, you closing the door on them. But I mean, if this is a legitimate case or a legitimate client, um, that provide that's value. You can get value out of that by sending them to a colleague that you know can take care of them. I mean, that's, I guess, you get that you get value from that because now that um, colleague is going to look to you and know that you sent them that business and try to reciprocate it. So um, everybody wins in that type of situation. Well, we've covered a lot about relationships, you know, building them, everything that we just discussed. If someone's listening and particularly an entrepreneur, they're listening and they're saying, look, I love a lot of what you said, but I, I don't have a lot of time to initiate an entirely new system, but I could do one thing. Whether it's something reiterating one thing that you said or something we haven't touched on yet, what would you say? Okay, if you're only going to do one thing to get started, do this to build relationships the right way. What would you tell them? That's a good question. Um, figure out whatever it takes to try to connect with your clients. I wouldn't say as much as possible because everyone you know, send an automatic email every week or whatever but just figure out a way to get it some kind of system set up to where you're having actual someone in your office is having an actual voice to voice conversation with your clients so that they can have that level of comfort and you can get to know their needs and then, and then better serve them, which is only going to result in, in um, higher satisfaction for the end product. Excellent. And if people want to find you online, what's the best way to find you? Uh, all the usual sources, but uh, I guess you could start at uh, our website at hayesfirm.com, H-A-Y-S-F-I-R-M.com. Excellent. Thank you for the time, Andrew. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, 
marketing, and big ideas.